And welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And if you missed last week's show, uh, make sure to go to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart page right here on TalkingAlternative.com, and you can listen to my interview with uh, Marjorie Horowitz, a jewelry expert. We talked all about the best diamonds to get for your significant other. So if you're thinking of getting a great gift, you should definitely take a listen and become informed. And also, this is the first show that I am doing since I came back from the American Physical Therapy Association's combined sections meeting in Chicago. And it was a great meeting, learned so, so much, got to hear some great lecturers and great physical therapists and researchers at the conference and got to meet a lot of people that I've only known via their avatars on somasimple.com. So it was really great to meet Corey, Corey, uh, John, Michael, uh, Scott. So, you know, and and make sure you watch for announcements because I'm pretty sure almost all of them will be coming on the show at one uh, point or another in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you look out for that. Now, today... I'm doing a show with an occupational therapist because over and over again, people always ask, well, what's the difference between an OT and a PT? And, you know, I try and explain as best I can, but now I'll have an expert. I have a great occupational therapist on the show today. And so she can finally give us that definition of what is an occupational therapist, what do they do, and how do they fit into the multidisciplinary team of rehabilitation. So I'd like to welcome to the show today, Rainey Pratt. Rainey is an Ithaca College graduate with a Master of Science degree in occupational therapy. For over 10 years, she has been working in diverse pediatric settings, including Boston Public Schools, Child's Play Occupational Therapy, Children's Hospital of Boston, and is currently working at the Lab Collaborative and the Boston Ability Center in the Boston area. Her experience working in early intervention, medical, school-based, and vocational settings has led her to has led her use of restorative, adaptive, and rehabilitative models of practice with children ages 0 to 22 with developmental, neurological, and orthopedic conditions. Rainey has a certification in sensory integration praxis testing, therapeutic listening, and has training in brain gym and astronaut training, which is a sound-activated vestibular visual protocol. I'm going to ask her about that later. And on a personal note, she has been playing. She has been playing soccer and has been involved in athletics for as long as she can remember. Currently, her yoga practice has not only strengthened her understanding of the mind-body connection, but has also enabled her to continue her love for playing soccer and running as an adult. And Rainey would love to integrate and incorporate the use of therapeutic yoga with children of all abilities to enhance their overall health and wellness in the future. Sounds familiar because we did a show on yoga for kids a couple of months ago. So, Rainey, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Karen. And, you know, I think I met Rainey in, oh, I remember, it was uh, Halloween weekend. Up, this is true. Yeah. Up in Boston, and it was that freak occurrence of when we had a big snowstorm in right. in October. 
So we haven't had one since. Haven't had one since. (laughs) And, you know, Rainy and I got to talking and she's just so incredibly knowledgeable about her work and about her job that I said, you know, you really have to come on the show. I need an occupational therapist to come on. So thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Sure. So let's just get right to it. What is an occupational therapist? Thanks for asking this question here, and I think it's probably the number one question that an occupational therapist gets asked. And I remember leaving college and having all of our professors prep us and say, you're you're really going to need to know how to answer this question, and they were right. Um, And so how how I define an occupational therapist, I say that um, occupational therapists help individuals across the lifespan to participate in meaningful activity or uh, occupation. And when I say occupation, it's not exclusive to the meaning work. It also defines an individual's wants and needs with leisure activities, um, their social needs, and participation in daily life. So whatever occupation it may be for that individual. And um, for children, since most of my experience is working in pediatrics, um, it means, you know, reaching developmental milestones to encourage increased function in their daily life, um, increased participation at school, um, and then during play with peers as well. Right. And so, because I know a lot of people say, well, what's, what does an occupational therapist have to do with children? And I right. think that that's a great way to answer that question because a child's job is school and right. play. Exactly. And so as an occupational therapist, you work with the child to allow them to do their quote-unquote job. Right, yeah, and you know, which is like socializing with peers and being able to function and learn to the best their abilities at school and, um, you know, even as little as, you know, whatever their, their self-care activities are just so they don't stand apart from their peers. So if they're able to put on their shoes and tie their shoes and, mm-hmm. you know, get their, you know, get dressed in the morning, so it's, you know, as little as some of those self-care Um, kinds of things for kids. And why is it that most occupational therapists tend to gravitate towards pediatrics? Oh, I didn't know that they did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've always, like, a lot of my friends who are occupational therapists work with, in in the pediatric field, feel like you're, you know, as an occupational therapist, and not, you know, I feel like the ones that I have known either work in a hospital or as a hand therapist, or in the pediatric realm. Mm-hmm. And I was just you know, wondering, I, well, maybe, like, why did you sort of gravitate toward that? You know, and I, I really do think it's a, a personal thing. And, um, you know, and I do think there are people out there that that um, can do both, that really love, like, working in pediatrics and adults and even to geriatrics. But I really do think that most people kind of find their niche and just mm-hmm. kind of what, you know, it might be a personality thing, but I know for me doing our, our field works um, in college, just being exposed to um, different clientele, the first time I worked with kids, I was like, okay, all right, this is, you know, definitely for me. And it just, it might just be, I just really, I love kids and um, I love their honesty and you always have a good story at the end of the day. So <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Very yeah. true. <laughs> And, you know, I said in, in, when I was starting out the show that people always ask, well, what's the difference between a PT and an OT? Mm-hmm. And I, my answer used to be, because my experience working with occupational therapists would be that, you know, the physical therapist will work on, uh, 
you know, maybe your locomotion. So if you're in the hospital, maybe we're working with you to walk, to get your large muscles stronger. We work on balance. We work on uh, transfers. And the occupational therapist tended to work on maybe dressing, feeding, that, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think in that kind of setting, you know, I always, you know, I would explain it as like, so the physical therapist is going to help you to get from point A to point B and make sure that you're balanced and centered and can do what you need to do. And then the occupational therapist is going to kind of take it from there. So whatever that occupation might be. So you got from point A to point B and what do you need to do once you get there? Mm. And um, the OT is going to help you from there. But I also, and it is such, it is a, a tough question because I think there's so much overlap between that, the two That's fields. exactly right. There's a lot of overlap. I, yeah, when I worked, I, I worked sometimes with the occupational therapist to do a lot of the things mm-hmm. that the patient needed. Yeah, and I just, I think the, the two fields really complement each other really nicely, and um, I, I think there's a lot that we do, and it just depends on the setting that, that you're working in. Um, I guess, um, and you, you know, definitely, you know, let me know what you think about this, but um, I also would say for occupational therapy, we're not only looking at like the physical well-being or maybe what's hap- not only what's happening motor-wise that a person can't be independent with their daily living activities, but also is there something going on um, cognitively, um, socially, what are the environmental factors that are impeding them from being independent with whatever it is their occupation or meaningful activity that they want to engage in. Um, and sometimes I feel like our goals may be similar, but maybe our approach to getting to getting, you know, the actual treatment approach um, may be different. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, now, in, at least in the world of physical therapy, like I said, I just came back from that conference in Chicago. And a lot of, hopefully, there is, going, there is a huge shift in physical therapy from just strictly being in that biomedical mode, meaning person has a knee replacement, must treat knee. You know, this is what I have to do versus going to a biopsychosocial approach, Mm -hmm. which is taking into account, yes, the biology, yes, the psychology of the patient and their social world. Right. So I I think that there is a shift happening in the physical therapy world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I know when I was in college, a lot of the occupational therapists took many, many more psychology courses than we did as physical therapists. Right. I don't right. know what your program was like at Ithaca, but that was one of the big differences between the OT and PT programs at Misericordia. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as an OT, it's a very, like, holistic, like, looking at the whole person. And um, and I know that there are plenty of physical therapists that do that, the mm-hmm. same thing. I just There's a lot of standardized testing that OTs use to look at maybe a person's visual perceptual skills. Sure. Um, you know, you know, where they are cognitively as well. So, um, yeah, and I, and I agree. I agree that I, I, I almost see that shift happening, too, as I work with so many physical therapists that are really looking at the whole picture on, on why, you know, why a person may not be reaching the goals that they set out for themselves. Yeah, and, you know, on that note, Rainy, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the common diagnoses you treat as an occupational therapist particularly in the field of pediatrics. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, this is psychic medium Betsy Cohen, host of the show, The Power of Intuition. Join me at TalkingAlternative.com, Mondays at 11 a.m. Call in for a free psychic reading. Learn how to tune into your intuition to feel better and to create your optimum life. I'm here to guide you and to assist you in creating the life that you deserve. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am joined today by occupational therapist, Rainey Pratt. In the previous uh, section, Rainey and I spoke about what an occupational therapy, what an occupational therapist is, what they do, and kind of that difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy. So as I said before, Rainey is in the pediatric world. So I wanted to kind of get into some common diagnosis, Rainey, that you work with and how OT makes a difference. So I feel like we can't talk about diagnoses in children without the big, big one that's, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the hot button of diagnoses, and that's autism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can sort of define autism, and I know that it's a very, that's a very broad statement, but I believe it just shrunk a little bit. Because didn't they just take some kids off the autistic spectrum? Yeah, so... um, But go ahead. there's, there's talk about, so I think you're talking about the DSM. Um, yes. So right now there's the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders um, 4. And, um, and then I think, I believe there, you're probably talking about the, there's talk in the DSM 5 that there's going to be some changes made to um, the criteria used to define autism. Right. Um, 
and and right now the current you know um, the current way that they they uh, the current de- um, sorry the current definition for autism under the DSM four is that it's a developmental disorder that affects the brain's normal development of social and communication skills with the onset happening prior to the uh, three years of age. Um, and there are there is talk of, of there being changes, and there's more specific criteria, obviously, um, in the DSM-4 right now, but that's kind of the general diagnosis, mm-hmm. and I think that there is talk that there will be changes made in the DSM-5 under autism. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can obviously go on and, and talk about how those changes, mm-hmm. so let's say that change does happen. Would that mean that if you have a child who may be under the DSM-4 would be considered in the autistic spectrum, but in the DSM-5 not, then does that child then not, is that child then not eligible for, let's say, occupational therapy services? No, I don't think that it'll make them not eligible mm. um, for services, but I do have to say that um, it, it is very helpful, um, and I know a lot of people out there and, and families are hesitant to have that label put on their child, mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, they, there are a lot of benefits to it because, um, because insurance companies will authorize more treatment visits and more coverage for kids with that diagnosis, so mm-hmm. there is some benefit to it, and, um, and you know, for outpatient care and receiving occupational therapy, you know, it might mean that, um, you know, if they don't have that diagnosis, they just aren't going to get as much much coverage, as which much is coverage. asking families then to pay out of pocket, which, you know, a lot of families can. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a hard thing to see right now. Sure. And, and so let's say that your child is diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. When should you initiate occupational therapy for that child? I mean, I really think the sooner the better um, with any therapies. Um, you know, it's it's been very interesting in my career. I've worked, you know, from early interventions from zero to three-year-olds, and now I'm currently working with a high school population, so mm-hmm. 14 to 22. And, and I have to say, you, I really can see the difference between, um, you know, I, I think working with the adolescent to, you know, kids moving into adulthood, I've really seen... Um, They've given me perspective on what the things you need to work on right away. I see. Because I can kind of, you know, see what they look like at an older age when they weren't able to or didn't get care early. Um, And so I really think the sooner the better and the more education, the better that the families can have. And, um, you know, you know, getting going early is good. And, you know, when you see a child who has autism, a lot of times they don't have a physical presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a child with cerebral palsy where you can say, you know, I get it. Like this child really needs occupational therapy, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. But when you see that autistic child, because they don't have the outward presentation, mm-hmm. um, as an occupational therapist, can you give some examples of maybe some things that you may specifically do for that child? Um, yeah, sure. And, and of mean, course, I- every child is different. And, and yeah, we realize that. And especially, you know, talking about there being a spectrum of disorders within autism, mm-hmm. there really are like higher functioning kids. So, you know, um, you know, when we do an evaluation on a child in pediatrics and specifically a child with autism, I would be looking at their behavior, their attention, um, their fine motor and motor skills. And I would look at their motor coordination because I often do see, although there are some 
kids with autism that are extremely coordinated, there oftentimes I do see um, there being um, difficulties with like higher level coordination, um, and and that does stand out in the evaluations. Um, and I would be looking at their visual perceptual skills, and and then just how they're able to perform like everyday life activities, um, and and um, that usually reveals. Uh, what we'll work on and what our goals will be. And when you're working with these kids, again, it's not like within the adult population where if someone comes in for their first physical therapy or occupational therapy session, you may have five or six sessions and you're seeing improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't necessarily get that at the pediatric stage. Mm-hmm. So do you then sort of look year to year and kind of look back and say, you know, this is where you you were and now this is where you're at? You know, what is your sort of, I guess, mm-hmm. grading system for increased yeah, ability? I mean, I think it, it all depends on, like, what your, your main goals are for the year and then the objectives you set within them. Um, you know, and I, and, you know, this is really good that I'm glad you brought this up because in even thinking about, um, children just in general with developmental disabilities and thinking about them receiving um, health care insurance and, and coverage. It is a problem because a lot of insurance companies want to see, well, when's the end date of this therapy going right. to be? And with a kid right. with a lifelong diagnosis, Never. Like this, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> can't really, you know, this is a, a lifelong, you know, we're going to be working on, you know, a lot of these kids need long-term care. Um, And so, yeah, our goals, you know, we set long-term goals and then we set, you know, short-term objectives underneath that, which might be in two months we want to see a small step of this long, you know, goal. We want to see that achieved so they're moving towards this longer goal that might be achieved by the end of the year. And some kids move along a lot faster than others, you know. Sometimes they, you know, really benefit from um, the exposure and, and what, you know, the treatment that they're given. And, and other kids just progress um, oh, slower. That, sure. Yeah. And how much of what you do is dependent upon what their caregivers or their parents do with them at home? Um, you know, like how much, I guess my question is, is how much involvement do the parents' caregivers uh, need to expect to have for this child to really progress? You know, I have to say, in, in working in early, early intervention and being right in the homes and then in clinics, a lot of our treatment, you know, we might see the kids that, you know, they might come in for one 45-minute treatment a week or two 45-minute treatments a week, but it's really the carryover. So then a lot of the t- part of our um, job as an occupational therapist to educate the family on activities that we're encouraging in therapy and what they can then you know, encourage for their kids out in the community and at home is really, you know, I, I personally and professionally what I've seen is the kids that progress the fastest are, are the families that, you know, really do implement all that carryover. And so the kids and all of these kids, they need practice and repetition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where you see the most change. Yeah. And, and that makes perfect sense. And the same probably goes for physical therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to take, Rainy, we're going to take a quick break. And when we okay. come back, We will, I think we'll go into maybe sensory integration disorders and that sort of stuff. So stay tuned. Okay, great. Thanks. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Is your marriage in trouble? Are you considering divorce? Hello, I'm Lawrence Bloom, a family law attorney in New York and New Jersey. No one is happier than the day their divorce is final. My firm can help you. We take the nasty out of the divorce process and make people happy. Please call us at 212-964-3502 for a free consultation. That's Lawrence H. Bloom at 212 212- Nine six four three five zero two. We make people happy. Hey, all you crazy listeners looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. was a firefly who shined as bright as the moon and the stars with her guiding light and welcome back to healthy wealthy and smart again i am your host karen litzy and i'm joined today by rainy pratt an occupational therapist working with the pediatric population up in boston so last segment we uh covered not cover, but we spoke, I covered, it would take how many episodes to talk about (laughs) autism. Um, But a little sampling of kind of what the occupational therapist can do and how they can help a child with autism. And I think one thing that really stands out for me, Rainey, is when I ask when should occupational therapy be initiated? And obviously, the sooner the better. So would you say upon diagnosis, sort of, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, mm-hmm. that does. That makes perfect sense. Okay. And what about, so I know it, a part of one of your certifications is sensory integration praxis testing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you kind of give us an explanation as to what that is and how that relates to treating some of these children with sensory processing or sensory integration disorders? Yeah, it's um, formalized testing that. Um, has um, specific subtests within sensory integration so that it can be um, the treatment, you know, after using the evaluation, you can be more specific in the treatment that you use. Um, and so there are several different um, um, subtests that are in the sensory integration praxis test. And it's a test that's used for the ages four to eight. Um, and um, it's really the only standardized test that we have right now for 
um, test, you know, evaluating children with mm-hmm. sensory processing disorder. Um, otherwise, it's through observation and through, you know, questionnaires with families and with adolescents. They actually can fill out their own questionnaires. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And is that, so that praxis testing, do you have one that's sort of done as a baseline and then year by year the child is retested? Um, yeah, so you you can you can give the test one yeah once a year. You can't okay. retest up at all um, affect the validity of mm. the test. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And yeah. so let's talk about let's get getting back to sensory integration or sensory processing. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I realize I failed to ask, but h- how do you define that? Um, how would if you had a child? How would you know if they had a sensory processing disorder? Okay, uh, that's a good question. I get that question a lot. Yeah. Too. So, a sensory processing disorder is when uh, an individual is having difficulty processing sensory information from the environment um, and integrating or interpreting that information accurately so that they can produce an appropriate motor output or behavioral response or emotional response. Okay. Um, and so, you know, what it might look like is a kid that's just really clumsy and having a lot of more motor coordination problems. Mm-hmm. They might be having behavioral problems. They might be having anxiety. Um, they might be having difficulties with learning because they it's hard for them to attend and learn with other, you know, environmental stimuli going on around okay. them. They might be having social difficulties. So those are just some examples about what it looks like functionally. Yeah, because I feel like my friend's son, like one way she described it to me is if he were, so he's, I think, going to be five. So if mm-hmm. he went and, like, before he was having all this therapy, because he does have occupational and physical and since he goes to a sensory gym and all that stuff, if he were to go and, like, hug another one of his peers, he would, like, tackle them. Right. Because he couldn't, he didn't know how to slow his body down. So is it that he's not getting, or he's getting the sensory input, yet his body doesn't know, like you said, how to give appropriate, let's say, for him, it was sort of motor output. Yeah. Is that right? So it sounds like when he's moving through space, his body isn't interpreting the information of his legs moving, his feet hitting the ground, mm-hmm. and what that, you know, it's not it's not interpreting the information accurately mm-hmm. so that his motor output, um, it sounds like he's not feeling it as much as a, a more someone that's more in the typical range of processing that kind of mm-hmm. um, movement input is. So he then um, is having a hard time grading the force he uses. Um, so it looks like that you're right. The motor output is affected by that. Right, right. And, it, you know, I think as a parent, you know, because I see my friend at first, she sort of struggled with this because I think initially she just thought he was too rough. And, mm-hmm. and then when he's with his peers, you know, he's making other kids cry. He's, you know, so I think it was very hard for the child to be social with his peers, and I think very hard on the mother because no one wants to see their kid be shunned by his peer group. And I, I just think oftentimes these kids are misunderstood. That's exactly <laughs> and right. And it's not, not that they're trying to be behavioral or they're trying to be rough with another kid. It's, it's just that they're simply just not processing the information the way the other kids in the classroom may be. And so, you know, they're, you know, what may look like wrestling to someone else is really just him giving a hug, like right. you said. Right, right. So. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about 
um, what you do as an occupational therapist to help kids with, uh, with sensory integration. So we will be right back after this commercial break. Okay, great. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com. Professionals serving community. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. TalkingAlternative.com Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am joined today by occupational therapist, Rainey Pratt. And last segment, we were talking about and getting some definitions on sensory processing disorders, or some people call them sensory integration disorders. So, Rainey, what can an occupational therapist do to help children that have this diagnosis? Um, so generally what an occupational therapist will do is, you know, first they're going to evaluate and figure out what areas of the, the system is 
is not working for them. So, you know, when we think of our sensory system, you know, everyone thinks of our five, what we call like the far senses. So our taste, touch, smell, vision, hearing. And, and then also there are our inner senses, which are our vestibular system, our proprioceptive system, which are give us more information about movement and, and where our head is in relation to gravity. Um, and, um, and so we're going to, you know, do an evaluation and, and figure out what kind of areas. And often we'll see kids that um, either are having a difficult pro- time processing um, whether the sensory information is coming in, um, is it too much or too less? Mm-hmm. So looking at a kid's maybe... Um, if we look at the tactile system, are they defensive to touch? Then they don't want to try to touch a lot of different textures, or are they sensory seeking? They can't get enough. They want to, you know, they're touching everything, and so it affects, you know, their their functioning in daily life. Um, and that's when it's described as a disorder. Um, and so we'll kind of assess what areas of the sensory system are impacting their ability to be independent in their life. And then, um, so depending on, on what's going on, um, we'll um, treat those, those different systems. And it's really hard just to treat one system just because our sensory systems are working all together sure. so, that, so that we can produce appropriate coordinated movements and behavioral and emotional responses. And, and so I think it, it really affects kids. Um, you know, we kind of look at um, their regulation. So are they, is, is, you know, are they hyperactive or hypoactive? So it, is it hard for them to process the information coming in from the environment that affects their activity level and their attention, which we see a lot of times in schools. And for those kids, we would um, give them um, a sensory, what we call a sensory diet. So just like we need a good nutritional diet, um, you know, kids also need a really good sensory diet. Mm. So it, it's um, it's a you know, it's we kind of look at their schedule and their day, and we build in breaks where we can give them um, input that will be regulating to them, so that they can maintain a just right arousal level, so they're able to attend and learn. And then um, you know, and sometimes sensory processing disorders affects more than just a child's ability to maintain. A good regulated state it also will affect um, their you know their um, their motor coordination and so for a lot of those kids um, we'll work a little bit more on the inner senses so their vestibular and proprioceptive senses um, so things like so, balance training or or is that yeah. okay um, so we do a lot of work on um, working with swings and and um, now how does that how does that work equipment. with the swings um, climbing activities anything that would help to improve their motor coordination but also um, any kind of like heavy work activities that would activate the proprioceptive system so whatever system is is not doing its job well we want to expose it to what it needs for it to develop so whatever kind of sensory kind of input we can give them so really we're setting up the environment um, to let the kid explore and use their body and get the sensory input they need so that um, the brain processes practices and processes that information over and over again so hopefully it will create a new um, more efficient pathway so that sure. their motor output and the behavioral and emotional responses and their attention level will be more appropriate for them to function the best that they can in everyday life. Sure. And and I think, like you said, the, the children who continue to do this stuff on their own with their caretakers, their parents, 
what have you, will do much better because, like you said, you're sort of having the brain practice these things over and over again. We know that the brain has a lot of neuroplasticity to it. Mm -hmm. And so that the more that they can practice this, like you said, those pathways will will start to be a little more solid. It's almost like a rewiring exactly of exactly. of the brain. And I what is the what is it with the swing? I mean, I've never I have to be honest, I've never been to like a sensory gym for children, but I always hear about like the vestibular swing or the sensory what is that and and is it a special like, swing? I mean, yeah. you know, forgive my ignorance on this. No. Well, there's I mean, a, it's really neat actually to go to um a pediatric clinic where they are using sensory integration treatment because, uh-huh. I mean, it actually looks very fun. <laughs> but um, we use a lot of sen- uh, suspended um, equipment to stimulate the vestibular system, which is like a really, really strong central processor for the, sen- um, for the sensory system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so basically, for your vestibular system, you have sensory organs that are located in the inner ear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we have to impose movement onto those sensory receptors to get the brain to keep processing the information. So we'll use different kinds of movement. It might be linear, back and forth kinds of swinging. It might be rotary, depending on, you know, and usually we want to give balanced input so that we're stimulating all parts of the vestibular organs that are taking in that that um, information so that um, then they're processing vestibular input a little bit better and mm-hmm. they know where their head is and their body is when they're moving through space so that then they, their motor output looks a lot better. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I had a woman on the other day who uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, She's a physical therapist out in Colorado, and she Mm -hmm. specializes in balance and sort of vestibular training in the adults. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through through that and obviously we know as a physical therapist and occupational therapist what the vestibular system is. And, you know, you said part of it was sort of that structure of the inner ear and then we have vision, and then we have kind of what we feel or what we sense through, mainly through our feet, if we're talking about on our feet balance. Right. And so these children with sensory integration, do you have to work on all parts of that? So not just the inner ear, but also because they have, they're either maybe hypo or hypersensitive mm-hmm. to kind of what sort of balance stuff do you do with them to kind to get that yeah. part of the I mean, vestibular I- system through the feet? And, and I think that's almost like, a, like, as an OT, what we would do is, so we're thinking of it as, like, so let's, the vestibular, and the vestibular, auditory, and visual systems work very closely mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know you mentioned the astronaut training program that... Yes, um, what is that? Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's... Um, So that's just a treatment protocol that was developed by um, two occupational therapists, Mary Quar and Sheila Frick. And um, the theory is that because your auditory and vestibular systems are located right next to each other in the inner ear, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I think when we think of the auditory system, a lot of people just think of it as hearing, but auditory actually gives us so much information about space and time, Mm -hmm. and, you know, which ultimately affects how we move, too. And then our vestibular system, like you know, Karen, also works really closely together with um, our postural control and mm-hmm. also with our vision. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, a specific treatment protocol that uses um, giving an individual um, 
balanced vestibular input, so they were activating the three semicircular canals in the saccule and the utricle, which are located in the inner ear, and mm-hmm. using activities while doing vision exercises and then engaging postural muscles. So we're using all those systems together so that it becomes more um, efficient. And then what we might do, like you're saying, is incorporate maybe at the end some more functional balance activities to see the outcome. Well, is, is, so we're doing all of this work. Is this really helping them balance? So we might incorporate some more functional balance activities to assess how well it's working um, that we're using this like vestibular protocol on them. Um, so we do incorporate um, those activities, but it's more of like um, an outcome to measure if what we're doing is helping them um, functionally. Gotcha. And if someone wanted to find out more information about the astronaut uh, training, where can they go for that? Um, well, I'm... Uh, you know, I would I would say you could go online and just look up the astronaut, astronaut. training training protocol, and it's um, designed by Mary Quar K A W A R. Okay, great. And we're on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to kind of wrap things up. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212 212- 721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. Again, I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am joined today by occupational therapist, Rainey Pratt. So, 
Rainey, here's a, a good question for you, and I think we can probably have a good discussion in this segment about this, but with we alluded to this a little bit with but with changes and and I'll say quote unquote problems with our healthcare system mm-hmm. where do you see the future of occupational therapy moving towards or where do you see OT I guess as fitting into that whole picture or re- well, rehab in general let's say I mean I guess I see it affecting you know, just from my experience, and I can talk mostly from being in the state of Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, and where I see it um, affecting um, the the children that I've been working with, mostly in the hospitals and then the outpatient clinic because they need that health insurance in order to receive the care. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and I think that you know it's mostly going to affect children with ongoing developmental disabilities, um, and then you know how how we're able to treat the, those kids and get funding for outside of like a school setting, um, and you know, like I said, as a therapist, it's easier to give an end date with. Um, you know, with an individual that sustained an injury sure. as compared to a child that's going to require a long-term care with a lifelong condition. Um, and so, you know, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of kids that fall between the cracks that don't have, like I said before, I do feel like the di- having the diagnosis of autism is going to help, you know, specifically kids that fall in that developmental disability category sure. because most insurance companies are really good about covering with that diagnosis. But it's some of the other kids that um, that might not necessarily meet the criteria but definitely need treatment. Um, it might have a sensory processing disorder, which is not yet recognized. Um, by the DSM-4, right. um, you know, so so then reimbursement is harder. And I think there's going to be a lot of kiddos that are, are going to fall between the cracks and don't get the treatment that they need, you know, so that they are able to function optimally. And, and I think it's going to, you know, it, it might change the amount of outpatient clinics that are out there unless parents sure. and families are willing to, you know, pay out of pocket, Um just because a lot of insurance companies, and I also think it may change the model of how, you know, there's going to have to be so much more family education out there and um, because we might not be able to see the kids as frequently as we would have recommended originally because their insurance can't cover it and the um, the insurance won't cover it and then the parents can't pay out of pocket for it. Um, And then there are those families that can afford it. Um, and do you know? And uh, there are a lot of practices that only take out-of-pocket um, pay right now. Sure. But I, I do see that there's going to be a lot of kiddos, and there might already be kiddos that are falling between the cracks and aren't getting the services that they need. And and there might be you know less of, of an ability for occupational therapists to treat that type of child. Sure. Um, and I, you know, on my way out to Chicago, I sat next to this woman and. Coincidentally, she was a physical therapist going to the same conference, and she was a physical therapist that works in Vermont, and she's also a professor at the University of Vermont in pediatrics, and she works in the, has been working with peds for, you know, 30 30 years, and Mm -hmm. she was kind of describing as far as the treatment of pediatrics, let's say, you know, you're in in that school age setting. Mm-hmm. So that's covered through the school system or through, is that through the state or is that through individual school districts? How is that, how um, is that covered? Every, 
I think it's state and it's also individual okay. to the town itself and the funding okay. they have um, to cover. You know, I know in Massachusetts and I believe in New York State too that each town is allotted a certain amount of I money. See. Um, I do feel like special education is protected much more um, than you know than um, education for some of the typically developing children sure. because of laws that are, have been made. Sure. Um, so it's I I see it mostly affecting um, some of that private practice. Private practice. Uh, the, right. the thing that I found interesting is she was sort of describing, and, and maybe you can comment to this, but she said, as you have, let's say you start seeing a child in that zero to three framework, mm-hmm. that, you know, that child sort of falls, it, she sort of made it into like a funnel. So the very top of the funnel, or this cone, would be the zero to three. So it's very wide and can take in a, a large group. And right. then as that zero to three, once they get into that, preschool or school age they have to meet certain criteria yeah. to mm-hmm. continue and then that that cone becomes more narrow and then once they hit a, a get into middle school it just gets narrow more and more narrow so mm-hmm. that because these children aren't meeting the criteria to go on to the next phase and continue to receive rehabilitation that they're sort of funneled out does that exactly. does that make sense? But do you yeah. feel like some of these kids still need the therapy, even I though do. they don't meet the criteria? So then, what do they do? You know, again, I think that's what I was talking about, like the kids that fall between the cracks. Mm-hmm. That you kind of like middle of the road that could really, really benefit, and it would really, I think, it would change their education and their life mm-hmm. <laughs> moving forward. Sure. Um, but because they don't meet a certain percentage or a certain developmental delay in the school, the specific school district. Um, that would say, oh, yeah, you're eligible to receive these services. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's really going it, to, those are the kids that get affected by it. Right. And then looking long term, are these kids who may then, you know, move into adolescent and adulthood, mm-hmm. and like you said, it really affects their lives. So then what happens, you know, because I know one of my patients, she has a child who was diagnosed with autism and they, the family worked with her and she got therapy straight through till she was in high school, but now she can go on to college independently in Wisconsin. So if you have a, a child that you said maybe falls through the cracks, do you feel like maybe that child won't be able to make that progression? Yeah, you know, and I think it's just, you know, it's going to affect their you know, their confidence and their, um, you know, some of these kids may become more behavioral, more frustrated, mm-hmm. might get into a little bit more trouble, might not necessarily, um, you know... Meet their full potential, I would meet think. Meet their full potential, yeah. move on to go to college and get the job that they wanted. And, you know, so I, I, I think that, um, you know, there might be, you know, at at the end of the day, you know, people that aren't meeting their full potential and able to go to college or sure. filling, you know, you know, fulfilling themselves. So um, it's a little bit sad, sad to see. Yeah. And, you know, we have about a minute or so left mm-hmm. here. So I think what would you like listeners to take away from from this discussion? What is, What would be one of like your biggest points as a takeaway? Um, you know, I just, um, (laughs) I know we covered so much, right? (laughs) I know. Um, you know, I just think that, 
thinking of early intervention, if you feel that, um, you know, your child might not be meeting the milestones Mm -hmm. or might be appearing to be a little bit delayed, bring them in to their pediatrician and get them checked out and make sure that they get the services that they need early. Because like you're saying, with the changes in healthcare, we're able to provide more early on and Mm -hmm. the brain is so plastic when they're young and we can make changes early. And, um, you know, and then, you know, and then from there, just be a really good advocate and, and make sure that, you know, you have good education about the rights of, of your kids and, um, and what, you know, what they can get so that they can receive the services they need and yeah. not fall between the cracks. Yeah, and I think um, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect take-home yeah. message. Now, Rainey, if people had any questions and wanted to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Um, they could email me if sure. they wanted. Sure, sure. Okay. My email is Rainy Pratt, R-A-Y-N-E-P-R-A-T-T at gmail.com. Great. So if anyone has any questions on pediatrics or if you feel you have a child that maybe is not meeting those uh, milestones and you want some advice, you can always email Rainy. And Rainy, thank you so much for coming on the show today and educating people on what an occupational therapist does. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Great. And join me next week for my first personal trainer roundtable with Josh Margolis, John Angelilli, and I believe calling in from Costa Rica, Susan Bianchi, because I needed another woman on this panel. Um, So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Have a great week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Looking to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright but still haven't found the one? Want to make your current relationship as fulfilling as possible? Then tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. for Love in the Afternoon with Marnie Gallison. As a professional matchmaker, I've seen it all. With distinguished authors, industry gurus, and experts on everything from wine to fashion. Join us as we discuss dating, relationships, and more on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, I'm Julie. Hi, I'm Julia. What What are are you wearing? wearing? Welcome Welcome to to J&J's Secrets of Style and Beauty. We know there's beauty and style in all you do, whether it's a job interview, first date, or wedding. We also know that not everyone understands what works best for him or her. We're here to help. Think of us as your personal beauty, style, and grooming gurus. As industry experts, we'll give you the best information for men and women on how to look phenomenal. Tune in Tuesdays at 8 p.m. to learn how to look your best. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. 
Listen in Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. TalkingAlternative.com 